0: Hi everyone, welcome to Aspire Premed. I'm your host, Dr. V, and I thank you for joining us for today's episode. We're gonna take a look at what one can do with an MD. I realize that we've spent quite a bit of time focusing on the immediate future, this road to med school, this pre-med path, but it's always helpful to be aware of what may lie ahead. Knowing about the possibilities may both inspire us and inform our decisions today. For example, maybe after listening to today's episode, you'll be inspired to shadow a physician in a field you hadn't considered exploring. And maybe this will open new doors for you. I don't know about you, but if someone were to ask me what jobs do you associate with an MD, I would probably respond with something pretty conventional. In other words, I'd imagine that someone with an MD would choose to practice clinical medicine, whether academic or in private practice, whether in primary care, a subspecialty, or a surgical specialty. There's usually a stethoscope involved in my mental imagery, too. In this series of two episodes, we're going to cover what an MD can be empowered to do. This is not an all-inclusive list by any means, but I'll try to cover some broad categories and give examples. And maybe something will inspire you. First, I'll talk about the more conventional paths because that's a big topic. And next time, I'll plan to cover some less common or less conventional things that might not have even occurred to you. There's a lot you could do with an MD. So let's get started. So the first set of categories I'd love to talk about is academic medicine versus a more private practice model. If you're going into med school, you're really going to be exposed to the world of academic medicine quite a bit. The reason for this is that many med schools not only oversee medical education for students, but under that umbrella also host academic physicians and other faculty who are also in clinical practice in their associated hospital. In academia, one may typically pursue research and publish findings. They may also have a percentage of their time dedicated to clinical work with patients in an office setting or rounding in the hospital while they're on service. They may have other administrative responsibilities, committee work like quality improvement or medical education for trainees. I remember really exploring academic medicine when I was in med school. I enjoyed the process of scientific inquiry and really felt motivated when I went to a national conference where there was this palpable energy of collaboration and progress. It felt cool to be a part of that. I really didn't have much experience in research in my undergrad years, Honestly, um, I'd always associated it with bench research, which at that time I really wasn't interested in, but I dedicated a year to clinical research while in med school, had a great mentor, learned how to publish papers, and explored what went into a large-scale research initiative. It's really cool to this day to see that work referenced and hopefully used to help others. Now, having discussed academic medicine, let's talk about the other side of the coin, Uh, which is private practice, where your work is pretty much exclusively clinical, meaning you see patients throughout the day. Typically, you'll be the one managing your practice, and there's an element of business savvy that's important. You're hiring staff and you're managing them. You're overseeing billing, speaking with insurance companies. You have a lot of responsibilities beyond the scope of medicine, but you're also your own boss. This model definitely still exists, but there are others, too, as the landscape of medicine changes. For example, you may have seen practices under the umbrella of a hospital network, and as a physician, you might be a salaried employee. There's a lot to say about all of this, but for the sake of time, I'll just leave it at that. Now, coming back to our categories, when you look at clinical medicine in a different way, you could also group it in terms of primary care, subspecialties, surgical specialties, things like that. Primary care is the first line of defense in a non-emergent setting, though emergencies do come in, but that's another story. So primary care includes stuff like internal medicine, family medicine, general pediatrics. You practice a lot of preventative medicine, meaning you try to catch stuff and educate your patients so that pathology doesn't develop later on. There's a lot of continuity, you really build relationships with your patients. It's challenging because you need both depth and breadth of knowledge. Your diagnostic skills are constantly challenged. You have to think of the most common scenarios, but also the rare zebras. On the other side of it, you have surgical fields, general surgery, for example, neurosurgery, ortho, things like that, where you're primarily in the OR, though not exclusively. There's this in-between category too, ob gyne or obstetrics and gynecology, is thought of as primary care, and especially if you're interested in women's health, is worth exploring, but what's unique about this field is that there are also surgical components to what you do. Think about delivering a baby via C-section, for example. There are a handful of fields that give you a combination of both managing patients medically in an office, but also may involve time in the OR. For example, ophthalmology and ENT. Separate from all of this are diagnostic fields like radiology and pathology. In radiology, you use imaging to try to figure out what's going on with a patient. Pathology is a fascinating field in which, both on a microscopic and macroscopic level, you're solving medical mysteries. You often see collaboration among these fields. For example, an interventional radiologist might take a tissue biopsy from a patient and the pathologist who examines that specimen will inform the medical team of the findings. Is it benign, precancerous, or cancerous, or something else entirely? Now, moving on, there are other standalone fields that I'm not sure how to categorize, like neurology, radiation oncology, etc. But again, in the interest of time, I won't give comprehensive lists here. Now, big picture, some of these fields require a lot of face time with patients while some have very limited patient exposure. I know for me, I'm actually an introvert, so I love what I do, but after a day of seeing patients and calling families, I know I need that me time at the end of the day, but I still really do enjoy those interactions. Some of these fields are also very procedural and are associated with quick thinking and rushes of adrenaline, like in the ER or in the ICU, for example while others involve more mulling over and formulating a diagnosis, assessment, and plan over time as more information comes in, like hematology. The latter is more my jam, but a lot of my closest pals are ICU folks, so maybe opposites attract. (laughs) The other thing to note is that with each of these fields, you can subspecialize and really carve out a niche for yourself. This requires more training. In other words, after residency, many subspecialties require additional years of fellowship training. So, for example, after completing pediatric residency, you could go on to practice in general pediatrics, or you can pursue fellowship training, which is usually another three years. Let's say you pursue pediatric cardiology because you're interested in helping patients with congenital heart lesions. After your training, you could go on to practice general pediatric cardiology, Or you could pursue more training in one of the more subspecialized areas of this subspecialty, if that makes sense, like heart failure and transplant, electrophysiology, imaging, and so on. There are tons of examples of this kind of subspecializing in medicine. The point I'm trying to convey is that even if you have exposure to one particular field, chances are you can have a very different experience shadowing in a more specialized version of that field. There are so many possibilities. Use your shadowing session and clinical experiences as an opportunity to learn as much as you can about this variety. You do see a lot in med school, but because it's so vast and time is limited, you're only getting the tip of the iceberg, and now is a great time to get that exposure. So there are a couple of approaches to take. If you shadow in one field and there's something you found interesting, try for another experience that builds on that. Maybe in your primary care office, you realize that you really like working with geriatric patients. Find someone who specializes in geriatric medicine and explore. If you're drawn to procedures, exploring surgery is an intuitive approach. But consider diving into other fields that are procedurally oriented. You might like the ICU or the cath lab, where you might witness a heart valve replacement performed through a catheter in a blood vessel. But stepping back, my favorite approach as you gain clinical exposure is to consider shadowing in a field you would never otherwise consider. Hear me out. It'll be worth your while. For example, if you're drawn to surgical specialties, spend some time in the pathology lab where specimens are studied and diagnoses are made. At the very least, you'll be familiar with what happens on the other side, and it might inform your future practice. And you may even find yourself really liking it more than you expected. Anyway, we still have a lot to cover. The scope of this topic is huge, but I hope you find it inspiring. Even with just clinical medicine, there's so much to explore and so much that could be done with an MD. Tune in to next week's episode when we take a look at some less traditional but very exciting things that could also be pursued. Until then, keep those questions and comments coming at aspirepremed at gmail.com or send a message on Instagram at aspire.premed.podcast and I hope you have a great day.